630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. The Toronto Maple Leafs have just scored. It is now 1-1. Maple Leafs and Flames in the third period. Also in the NHL this evening, after two, Boston up 2-1 on Pittsburgh. In the third, Florida with a 3-0 lead on the Kings. 1-1 Rangers and Islanders. Canadians lead the Flyers 3-1. Kovalchuk scoring tonight, his fifth of the season. Start of the third period, Capitals up 3-1 on the Devils. About five minutes into the third, Columbus leads Carolina 2-1. Possible injury to Dougie Hamilton in that game. Golden Knights with a 2-0 lead on the Senators. Ducks lead the Predators 2-1. That's early in the second period. After the first, Minnesota up 1-0 on the Lightning. Parisi has his 17th. And about five minutes left in the first period in Dallas. Sabres are up 1-0 on the Stars. Still to come, Sharks and Avalanche. They're about to drop the puck. And in one hour, Coyotes and Canucks. Coyotes here in Edmonton on Saturday, 11.30 a.m. Face-off show on 6.30, Chad. The game will start at 1. Thank you so much for tuning in this evening. We'll get to Eskimos quarterback Trevor Harris in this half hour. You can text 780-496-0063. This texture says, for the next Oilers-Flames game, the over-under for points that McDavid will have is 3.5. What do you pick? Can you already place bets for a game two weeks away for the over-under on one player? I, I don't gamble on sports that extensively, so I don't know. But I will tell you this uh, to that individual. I don't know if this is where you want to come for sports b- betting advice. I'm happy to make predictions. I'm happy to throw things out there. I'm happy to talk about what ifs. I don't know if this is where you want to come for sports betting pr- uh, predictions. And I'll tell you this. A four-point game, even for Connor McDavid, is not that common. I mean, yes, he's done it four or five times this season, but still, that's out of, what are we at, 46 games? So I would say take the under, because a four-point game is, is difficult to achieve. But that is not betting advice. I'm somewhat flattered you would, you would send me that question, anonymous texter, but uh, man... Uh, Brian says, uh, Leafs, Flames, how do you cheer for both teams to lose? (laughs) Fair question. In relation to the upcoming, can you check the release date on uh, Rambo, Kellen? Lyle says, I think this one is Rambo with a walker. Don't waste your time to watch it. That, that is from Lyle. Well, he can probably shoot bullets out of the walker or something like that. Or it's got a, like a rocket launcher in the bottom. And uh, James says, uh, read tongue-in-cheek. Maybe Harris is taking up baton twirling to help with his release, LOL. Well, he did, he, it is interesting. He did do uh, tap dancing last offseason to help with his mobility in the pocket. What do you have, Kellen? Rambo Last Blood was theatrically released in the United States on September 20th, 2019. So we've already missed it? To negative reviews. <laughs> we with- thought... <laughs> that shows you the impact it had. We thought it was coming out. Yeah, in I thought February. it was a 2020 film, but it's there we go. five months old. It's probably on demand already. You and can probably get it at Blockbuster. Criticisms aimed at the script, graphic violence, and what critics per- perceived as racist and xenophobic attitudes towards Mexico. Okay, so it it was not well received. Not well received. Interesting. 
Well, I guess we didn't see it pop up on the uh, Oscar nominations earlier this week. It didn't win anything at the Golden Globes. Nope. nope. That I know of. By the way, I, I got it. I can't believe I haven't told people this story. And so, uh, sorry for a bit of a, a, an aside here. For Christmas, I received from, from two different people. So I have two copies of this game. Maybe I should give one away on the show some night. Hmm. Or I'll probably re gift it to somebody. There is a blockbuster video board game. And I, I've seen this, yeah. I got one copy from my friends in, in Calgary, and I got another one uh, from my a very good friend, Courtney Terrio, who works at City TV, who I've, I've been great friends with ever since we worked together in Lloyd Minster. So he and his girlfriend got me one, and then another old friend and her husband, and I've known her since university, so she actually knew me while I was working at Blockbuster. Mm-hmm. They, they got me this game as well. Now, I haven't opened it yet because you have to have at least four people to play, right. and I don't have three other friends to play with. But... I got two copies of this Blockbuster board game, and it it looks like a giant VHS uh, case, right? right? Like it opens like that, and it has the Blockbuster logo and the, the you know the, the paper insert, so it, it looks like a larger version of a VHS cassette that that you would take home. But it, it has a game, it's some sort of movie trivia or a clue giving game. I haven't tried it yet, so I am the proud owner of two copies of the Blockbuster video board game. What else do I have to achieve in life? You're well, set. I mean, I'm pretty much finished. That's it. You know? <laughs> Run the New York City Marathon. That's cool. Done. And now I have two versions of the Blockbuster uh, video board game. You're set. I, I need more goals. <laughs> As they would say in sports, hang the jerseys from the rafters. Yeah. It's done. It's over. I, I, I'm, like the, I'm like the original crew of Star Trek near the end of their mission. Exactly. What else do you want me to do? I've discovered new worlds. I've sought out new life forms. You know? I've gone on dates with alien women. Like <laughs> Captain Kirk. What else is there left to do? Anyway, I, I appreciate the uh, the comments on uh, on Rambo. And uh, it, it apparently is a good thing, Kellen. We have, we have not seen the film. Mm-hmm. Nine minutes left in Toronto. Still 1-1 between the Flames and the Maple Leafs. We'll keep you updated on that one. Want to get this guy on the show. Quarterback for your Edmonton Eskimos. Already getting set for the upcoming season. It is the one and only Trevor Harris. Trevor, welcome back to the show. How are you doing? Um, fantastic. How are you doing? I'm doing great. It's nice you could come up to Edmonton just for the best weather of the winter, eh? Hey, you know what? If I'm going to be a native or a, a, I guess an Edmontonian um, for the rest of my career, I've got to, I've got to be here for the good times and the bad times. So why not? Yeah, absolutely. Is this the, is this the coldest you've ever experienced? You know what? Uh, I think it might be. Um, but last year we had a wind chill factor in my, in my hometown of actually minus 40 Fahrenheit, which. It's pretty darn cold, and it's been about minus 36, minus 37 here. So, uh, and actually, yesterday somebody just told me when I was at uh, a place yesterday, they said Edmonton yesterday was the coldest place on earth yesterday. Yeah, coldest place in the world, which is pretty pretty amazing. Yeah, well, it's nice to be the best at something, right? <laughs> Might as yeah, well. Yeah. 
you got to have some sort of title if you're going to go through this. Uh, well, that's right. That's a good way to put it. Trevor, good to have you on the show. I, I got to meet uh, your new head coach and offensive coordinator, Scott Milanovic, in person for the first time uh, yesterday. I, I know you, you have a relationship with him, and, and you speak very highly from each other, and I know you guys uh, got to hang out a little bit yesterday. Just tell me about getting uh, reacquainted with, with him and, and getting the ball rolling with Scott again. Um, you know, he's just, he's one of those guys that I feel truly moves the needle in an organization. He truly moves the needle in terms of the players he coaches, uh, leaves a lasting impact on them, you know, with his knowledge of the game, the way that he can lead, um, is, is really second to none that I've, that I've been around. And, uh, it's, we're very, very lucky here in Edmonton that he's here. And, uh, you know, you just got to praise the job of Brock Sunderland, you know, going out and getting, uh, the big fish that, that he did and, you know, getting him here. So, I couldn't be more excited. Um, so it's just it's it's really refreshing to uh, to have him here. You know, come full circle in my career. You know, I started my career in the CFL under Coach Milanovic, and the fact that you know I get to be with him when I when I feel like I'm starting to enter the prime of my career is is really uh, just just awesome. And I'm just thankful to uh, to kind of be under his tutelage again. I asked him yesterday about his offensive philosophy and, and making adjustments when the offense might be having some problems or the defense has maybe had a couple of good series. And he said it's it's hard to put together a 13-14 play drive because you could have a drop, you could take a penalty, and that it's at some point you sort of need that, that explosive play. Is that something – and I'm not saying you didn't have explosive plays last year, but is that something you sort of feel, and especially the CFL, you, you know, you only got three downs instead of four to try to get a, a first down. Is that something that you feel might have a little bit more emphasis on the Eskimos this year? Um, you know, I think that's, some, that's a big-time strength of his as a coach is – uh, every time I've seen a Scott Milanovic-led team, they they're able to find ways to do those sorts of things. And but the thing about Coach Milanovic is you really never know what's coming, you know, from his offense every week because he finds a new way to exploit uh, his his players' talents and abilities each and every week. And so there might be games where you know we put together those drives. There might be games where you know we have a lot of shots down the field. There's going to be plenty of times where we do we're multifaceted every game and. Uh, but I do know this: he's going to get the ceiling out of out of each each and every one of the players that we have, and he'll build a culture that that us guys will really believe in, uh, will be behind him and have his back. And uh, you know, in terms of being a leader, he's just phenomenal. So uh, it's it's going to be it's going to be fun, you know, to to have him here and um, to you know just see what we can do with this roster with him, and uh, obviously just kind of just be under his tutelage, like I said, and and go push this envelope, you know. Eskimos quarterback Trevor Harris joining us tonight on Inside Sports. Trevor, it's it's a fun time of year for football. We're down to the conference championships in the National Football League Super Bowl in a, in a couple of weeks. I, I think we've seen some teams who were favored to advance who have advanced. I think we've seen Tennessee shock some people. And, and I, I said a few days ago, Trevor, kind of joking, well, obviously jokingly, that it, uh, and it's too bad I didn't get to see a lot of the Titans-Ravens game on Saturday because I always wanted to see what football looked like in the 1950s. But it's, it's an interesting attack, isn't it, with, <laughs> with, uh, with all the running plays for Henry and some very low passing numbers for, for Tannehill, the quarterback. Yeah, um, but, you know, it's, there's been games where he's thrown the ball a lot. He's thrown for a lot of yards and a lot of touchdowns. And, you know, they're, they've proven that they can win many ways. And 
um, you know, it's going to be a fun, fun game to kind of see if they can kind of take control of the clock like they have been in the playoffs. You know, last week, I think, I don't know, that Tannehill threw, did he threw 10 passes? Nine or 10 passes? Yeah, it wasn't very and, many. Uh, yeah. you know, they, they were able to control the clock. And when you can do that as an offense and control the clock and, you know, keep the other offense off the field, you know, you make it really difficult. And they did that to the Patriots, too. And if they can continue to do that, it's, it's going to be tough to beat them. But, you know, as you see, the, the Chiefs are never out of it. And their defense is very, very much improved under Spagnuolo. And so they've been a ton of fun to watch. And even last week you thought, you know, they're down 24 nothing. That's It's not the Big 12 or, you know, even, you know, the Big 10 or the SEC, whatever it is. It's not college football. This is pro football. 24 points is a lot of points. And the fact that they were able to come back and blow them out is it just speaks volumes to their team, too. And so it's it's going to be one of those matchups. It's going to be a lot of fun. The Green Bay-San Francisco game, I think, is going to be a good one. Aaron Rodgers has been an outstanding quarterback for many years. It's funny with the 49ers, Trevor. They, they won all these games. Garoppolo's been, been pretty good. I mean, sure, they had some bumps in the road along the way, but I still get the sense that with some people who talk about the NFL, there's still a little bit of, well, I don't know, I'm not sure about Garoppolo. What, what, what do you, how do you see the two quarterbacks coming into that game? I mean, is, is Garoppolo still not getting the, the credit he deserves, or how do you look at it? Um, I mean, he's got a nice contract, so, I mean, he's getting, he's getting quite a bit of, uh, a bit of that. I think people <laughs> see him as an elite quarterback. And so, uh, you know, I, don't, I think, you know, kind of people may take uh, a little bit too much offense to, oh, he's, he's not getting the credit he deserves or he's getting too much credit. You know, they kind of base that on a couple people's opinions that they read online. And the fact of the matter is the, the general managers across the league see Jimmy Garoppolo as a bona fide franchise quarterback. And, uh they, you know, there's, you know, general managers that would pay him the money that he does. So they see him in that light. And, you know, they've also, uh, you know, had a ton of respect for him across the league in terms of, you know, he's won 13 games. And so I think he's getting that respect. Um, but I think some people kind of paint a picture to, to maybe motivate somebody or, uh, you know, just take the words of a couple people. But, um, you know, he's, he's obviously proved himself this year in terms of being, being great. But, uh, I think a lot of, you know, his success is with Kyle Shanahan. And Kyle Shanahan's been amazing in his track record, you know, what he's done with the quarterbacks that he's had. And so, you know, I think that can't be understated as well. And so I think Jimmy Garoppolo is a great quarterback. But Kyle Shanahan's, you know, he's he's kind of like the, a wizard in terms of getting a lot, getting a high ceiling out of his uh, quarterbacks and people that play for him. Okay. And before I let you go, Trevor, I mean, you and I first talked – well, almost a year ago when you, when you signed as a free agent. And I, and I know then we talked a little bit about your off-season training. Any new wrinkle for you in your training off-season or, or anything of... Because of, was it last off-season you did a little bit of dancing to help your footwork? Anything along those lines this year? Yeah, yeah, some fat dancing. Yep. Um, so this off-season I'm doing quite a bit of different stuff to... Uh, I've got to wait to see if uh, one thing is actually going to come through, if I can... Before I mention, I don't want to say it and then have it not happen. So uh, I'll get back to you if, if I do end up getting this uh, one thing to come through. But another couple of things I'm doing, I'm doing a lot of boxing training. Uh, so I'm boxing one day a week, and I'm going through uh, some gymnastics ring stuff uh, here pretty quick in terms of, you know, for core stability, uh, for shoulder stability, and those sorts of things. I'm just trying, just trying to, you know, turn over new leaf after new leaf and, you know, see if it can improve me in any way. And obviously I'm still uh, – working with uh, my guy that does combat brain training. He trains Navy SEALs, uh, 
in terms of their mental capabilities. And so I'm always pushing the envelope there, working with human mental performance coach and uh, just trying to turn over any leaf that I can in terms of uh, so that way at the end of this career, I can look back and say I did everything I could and I did everything I knew how to do. So I'll just continue searching, continue flipping stones. And the day I'm done doing that, the day I'm done, you know, being the hardest worker out there, I'll, uh, I'll give it up. Well, man, that that's awesome. I, I look forward to hearing how the, how the boxing and the ring's going and, and whatever the, the new venture is as well. Trevor, I know you're always busy. Thank you so much for checking in on Inside Sports. All the best. We'll talk again soon. Yes, sir. I appreciate it. You guys take care and uh, stay warm out there. Yeah, we'll try. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks, Trevor. Trevor Harris always looking out for us. He's in Edmonton for a while. Quarterback for Edmonton Eskimos. Likes Milanovic a lot. Uh, I think the offense will look... I wouldn't say drastically different, but but certainly uh, a, a little different, hopefully a little more uh, adaptable. And I, I found it interesting what Milanovic said to me yesterday. He said, if you're going to run the ball on first down, if you don't get six yards, it's a negative play. So I wonder what they're going to focus on to get the first down production. Something to keep in the back of your mind. <laughs> Slash on the lead guitar. Thank you, Kellen Kennedy. Is this the song from Hulk? It is. Set me free. The Hulk is running across my screen right now. You can text 780-496-0063. That's also the number to call. Jeremy from Glendon writing in tonight. He says, hey, Reed, if you bring the blockbuster board game to an Oilers game soon, I'll bring a friend and we can play as long as Rob Brown is in. Well, Jeremy, that's kind. I would not be able to play the game while also hosting a radio show. Trust me, I ain't that smart. James says, here's an idea, Reed. Take the board game to Northern Chicken, sit at a table for four, and you'll have three friends instantly. And that reminds me, some guests on Inside Sports get gift certificates to Northern Chicken, bringing a down-south comfort food to Edmonton with their creative take on Southern Classics spun with a modern twist. James, thank you for the segue. He rolled out the red carpet, and I walked right in on it, wearing my designer dress <laughs> for the Oscars. Uh, thanks a lot, guys. Appreciate that. Appreciate the, uh, appreciate the support about the uh, Blockbuster video game. I do own two copies. Maybe we can have a raffle. There's a raffle idea. it off, the extra copy. Uh, donate the money to, uh, I don't know, some sort of fund. Like, I don't know, saving a panda bear. <laughs> the show can adopt a panda bear, yeah. We should Pretty adopt cool. an animal. Why have we never adopted an animal? I don't know. It's not come up until now. We've I'm all for it. it. We should have an inside sports animal. Absolutely. And he would just live, he or she would just live here and be on during the show. As I don't think that's how that works. Take care but... of it. I think we sponsor an animal. Or we, what if we get, yeah, we, or what, what if we got an inside sports bat? Like, we sponsored a bat, and he just lived in the station. He could fly around and eat fruit and stuff. Like, we wouldn't get a vampire bat. Are you cleaning up after it? Because I'm not. <laughs> so a co-worker got a bat. Who does he think he is, Count Dracula?
between the Flames and the Maple Leafs. No one scores, and they are going to a shootout tied 1-1. So the Flames are currently ahead of the Oilers in the standings. Will it be by one or two points? We will keep you updated. Also tonight, 2-2 Rangers and Islanders with four and a half minutes left. The Panthers beat the Kings 4-3. The Bruins lead the Penguins 3-1 with nine minutes to go. Late in the third, Canadians up 4-1 on the Flyers. Kovalchuk, two goals this evening. Now has six on the season. Seven minutes left in Washington. Capitals lead the Devils 4-2. Overtime looming in Columbus. A minute 40 to go. It's 2-2 Blue Jackets and Hurricanes. 13 minutes left in Ottawa. Vegas up 3-1 on the Senators. The Ducks lead the Predators 3-1 late in the second period. Wild up 2-1 on the Lightning in the second. Early second period, Sabres 1, Dallas nothing. Late in the first, Avalanche 1, San Jose zip. Nikushkin has his eighth of the season. Still to come tonight, the Coyotes and the Canucks. The Oilers practice today after having uh, yesterday off. Well, they had a season seat holder event in, in, uh, in the evening. I saw a lot of the pictures on on social media. So basically, I, I wasn't there, but the way it was described to me, the players are there, and, and probably some of you went. And so you can go take a f- photo with uh, with a player. I guess Zach Cassie and a lot of people said, okay, normal photo, then I want to do one where I'm turtling. And they would turtle or pull their shirt over their head or something like that. And it was interesting to me seeing people taking, getting photos taken with Ryan Nugent Hopkins and uh, Oilers Nation has those Keep Nuge Forever t-shirts, and they're posing with Nugent Hopkins in those shirts. And I saw one earlier in the season as well. Oilers Nation made those real steel 18 shirts in honor of James Neal and the steel of a trade with the Calgary Flames. And I saw a couple of people wearing that shirt and posing with, with James Neal. I wonder what the players think of those. I mean, I know they're famous and used to being in the, in the, in the public eye. I'm sure it's I'm sure it's flattering for Nugent Hopkins to see a Keep Nuge Forever shirt. Anyway, shootout is now underway between uh, Toronto and Calgary, and it is a who took that one? Oh, Spezza. Spezza went first for the Maple Leafs. Tried to deke and uh, just kind of lost the puck, and Riddick poked it away. We'll, uh, we'll just keep Mike Johnson on the line till the shootout's over, Kellen. Yeah, I want to let good. people know what happens in this game. Absolutely. Obviously, it affects the Oilers. And uh, two teams that are generally despised in oil country, as Sean Monaghan is uh, stopped. Troy in Leduc says, Reed, raffle off your extra copy of the Blockbuster board game and donate it to Brown Bagging in Cassian's name, LOL. Well, we had Sam Cost on the show last night, the Oilers fan who in response to Flames fans wanting to raise money to put up a billboard of Kachuk as Austin Matthews has stopped, she said, let's do this for a good cause, and all these Oilers fans are donating to uh, Brown bagging it for Calgary kids. I think it's up over $20,000, so that's, that's pretty incredible. Uh, and this texter says, uh, live raffle right now, I'll start the bidding $20. Side note, that's an auction, not a raffle. Best I can tell. Kachuk just scored. I hate to be Mr. Correcty Pants. Oh, Matthew Kachuk just scored in the shootout. Yeah, he just okay, scored. So the Calgary shootout. has a goal. Toronto has none after two rounds. Would that be an auction, not a raffle, Kellen? Yeah, that would be an auction. It's a like a radio auction almost. Yeah, we're not. We're definitely not going to do an auction. Marner to keep the Leafs alive. Denied. Flames win at two-one in a shootout. They're two points up on uh, the Oilers and currently tied. 
with Arizona for first in the division, but Arizona still has a game coming up tonight. It just keeps growing and growing, this sign-stealing scandal with Major League Baseball. Carlos Beltran, no longer the manager of the New York Mets, he had not managed a single game. They hired him this offseason. Now he's gone. He was the only player named in the uh, commissioner's report related to all the signs stealing, though other players obviously knew about it. For some perspective on this, former big league pitcher, he pitched for the Expos. He's from Edmonton. He's from the 5-2 field house. It's our buddy Mike Johnson. Mike, how are you doing? Good. How are you doing, Rick? I'm doing great. I always enjoy talking baseball with you. I don't know if I ever anticipated I would be talking this specific type of baseball story because all the stuff that has come out from the sign stealing in the last couple of days is a little mind-boggling, and, and I don't think it's finished. I'll start pretty generally before we get into the specifics of, of what's going on and how signs can be stolen. Just your general relax, re- reaction to this story and how it's sort of rocking the baseball world. Um, well, I guess the thing to think about, like, science dealing has kind of been going on. I mean, it was going on while I was playing and it was going on before I was even playing. But obviously not to this, like technological extent um and i guess it was just handled like in different types in different types of ways like any any advantage that you can kind of get over another team like it was just part of the game but if you were if you were found out about it then it was kind of dealt with dealt with there a little bit more kind of old school-ish but as far as like using technology and stuff to me it's a pretty cowardice pretty cowardice way of going going about gaining an advantage over an opponent especially like in your home field and um and using cameras and whatever other kind of mechanisms that they that they're been, they've been accused of using um to gain an advantage well yeah to me that's really what separates it is is the use of technology but in terms of maybe if you just want to call the the eyeball version of sign stealing so you said there are other ways to deal with it is that if if you think a, a guy's stealing your your catcher signs you know you might you might throw at a guy do you say something how might have it been handled if you discover something's going on in game like that um well i think exactly kind of the way exactly the way that you just described it like um if they're real blatant about if they're real blatant about it and and have a complete disregard as far as like respecting you or the game or disrespecting your team, you can handle it in a certain way as far as like, yeah, maybe you drill a guy for the message or you step off and you have a little chat with the guy at second base. And ultimately what usually kind of happened is you got together with your catcher and you change your signs. So, um, like I said, for a long for a long period of time it's been a part of the game it's still going to be a part of the game but obviously not to the extent that the Astros have been going to yeah it's it's pretty amazing the the system that they set up and and using major league baseball replay equipment as a former player have you ever thought to yourself how did they ever think they were going to get away with it and I mean I guess they did win a world series and maybe they would have anyway but are you sort of like what, what were they thinking how did they think they were going to pull this off uh, I don't know uh, because I mean the way the way that everyone kind of found out was through Mike Fires, who is now or at least was with Oakland last year, so was with the Astros, knew this was going on, and basically told them that this was going on. And then all they had to do was go back and look at a bunch of video from home games with the Astros, and 
and it's it's quite clear kind of what is going on so i i have no idea how how they thought in their minds like they wouldn't get how they wouldn't get caught because it's not like players are sticking with teams for 10 15 years and spend their entire career they're moving teams so it's going to get it it would have found its way around the league eventually anyways yeah, players are going to talk for sure. Mike Johnson, former big league pitcher, joining us on Inside Sports now, runs the 5-2 Fieldhouse right here in Edmonton. What do you make of all the, well, should, how should they be punished? Should they even have to vacate the World Series title? I, I don't know if Major League Baseball would ever go that far, but in your mind, what, if anything, is an appropriate punishment here? Um, I don't know. That's really hard. It's really hard to say. Um but obviously, there's some teams that probably feel like they got they got cheated out of a, a chance to win a championship. I mean, whether it's the Yankees, whether it's the, uh, the Dodgers. I mean, yeah, it's the Astros. But I mean, Cora has also been linked with the Red Sox. They won the World Series the, the previous year. Um, so, I mean, this goes it goes further than just the Houston Astros and dealing with them. I mean, there's other teams that are involved and dollars that are involved as far as like playoff shares that people are getting for winning world series and losing world series like um tv rights like would they have even been in that position had they not cheated yes they had a good team but they also had a distinct advantage over other teams and got to where they were with a little bit of help so there's huge implications as far as that so if you kind of think of it that way for me the penalty is kind of light um, yeah, they got fined. They got fined. I think it was five million dollars. But their coach and their GM got got let go. That basically just supplements their supplements their incomes as if they're paying them anyways. Um, but they're paying to Major League Baseball now, and they're losing draft picks. Now that's going to hurt them in in the long run as far as future and stuff. But I mean, like I said, when you kind of look at overall the big picture, um, I almost kind of feel like they got off a little bit light. And then the people that were punished, like it was the players that were also involved in there. And that obviously doesn't seem like anything's happening there. Maybe that's because the players' union is a little bit too strong and and would drag it out. But the, the coaches don't really have the same luxury in GMs as players do with the players' union. For the for the uh, the players knew it was going on and the players are, are are benefiting from it. Would it? I mean, clearly they they would have known at the very least it's shady and or outright cheating. But if your coach is telling to you to do it and your teammates are going along with it, like is that a tough situation for a player to try to be honest or blow the whistle, even if he knows it's it's the right thing to do? I mean, kind of that locker room, uh, you know, pressure type mentality. Uh, yeah, yeah, it could, it definitely could be, um, as far as like pressure from your team, from your teammates and, and stuff. And who knows what went on behind closed doors. Maybe there's guys that, maybe there's guys that were on that roster said like, look at, I don't want any part of it. I can, I can give you an example where, um, like when I was playing, like I would always try and pick up things on pitchers. They'd have tendencies of stuff that they would do with their glove and tip off with pitches that they would throw. And then, because I didn't have anything to do, anything better to do on the bench when, when I wasn't playing. And then I would relay that information. If I got something, I would relay it to our hitters. Well, I had some hitters were like, look, I don't want to know. I just would rather see it and react. 
But I had other guys who were like, even if you're like 75% sure of something, like, I want to know. Because they wanted any advantage that they could get. So, I mean, if that's kind of the case, like I said, it hasn't really come out as maybe there's guys on that roster who are like, look, I don't want to know what's coming. Just, I just want to react the way I played the whole time, and, and I want to go that. And plus, it's against the rules, and I don't want to be a part of it. So until more information comes out, you're never really going to know what kind of went on behind closed doors with the players. Well, I have a feeling more is going to keep coming out, Mike, but uh, appreciate your perspective. Uh, 5-2-fieldhouse.com, things are going great there? Yeah, yeah, not too bad. Starting to get starting to get busy, so people want to come in, make sure they call ahead and book some times cause, uh, because, yeah, this is a busy season. People are getting getting riled up and ready for baseball season even though it's minus 40 outside <laughs> right on mike thanks for your time we'll let you get back to work okay sounds good we'll talk to you later well that is mike johnson really good perspective on sign stealing from a former big league pitcher and as he said it's always gone on and always will go on but it's the use of electronics that really crossed the line here for the Astros. And he actually called it cowardly that they would resort to that. He said if it's not electronic, there are ways that players can handle it with the opposition in-game. And I really found that interesting near the end of the interview when he said as a pitcher who wasn't pitching in that game, he might try to give away little tells that the opposing pitcher had. And some of his teammates said, don't tell me. I don't want to think about that. I just want to go up there and react. But clearly what the Astros done is over the line. It's affecting other franchises too. That's going to be an ongoing story. We'll talk about uh, a famous outdoor rink in Alberta and how it's being affected by the cold weather when we get back. Thank you so much for tuning in tonight. Hope you're warm, or at least relatively warm. I don't know if anybody feels warm when it's like this. Though you could come to this studio. The 630 Chet Talk Studio, I believe, is the warmest location in Edmonton. You could, like, if you brought uh, ice cream in here, it would be a puddle in two minutes. It's shockingly warm. I guess I shouldn't complain because it's incredibly cold outside. It is bizarrely warm in this studio. I can't figure it out. Yakushev writing in, he says, Hey, Reed, the other day I had a muskrat in my garage. If he comes back, I will box him up and send him to the station for you. Then when he grows up to be a beaver, you can put a collar on him and Brian Hall can take him for a walk. Yakushev, that is an incredible text full of imagery. I'd love to get a parcel like that to the station. My goodness. Uh, (laughs) Thank you very much for writing in. With it being so cold, I got thinking about the impact this has. And, uh, you know, some people have to work outdoors, and I got a ton of respect for those people. And in in some parts of this province, uh, you play hockey outdoors, whether you want to or not. And in the town of Fallen, they have a very famous outdoor rink, and I'm pleased to be joined by Ryan Oltoff from the Pigeon Lake Athletic Cultural Education Society. Ryan, thanks for checking in tonight. How are you doing? I'm doing great, thanks. The rink in Fallen, I've, I've only seen pictures. It looks like an NHL rink, uh, except it's kind of just sitting there outside. Can you give us a, a bit of the of history of the rink, please? Well, the rink uh, has been there about a dozen years now in its uh, uh, current uh, uh, layout. 
Um, the, the boards themselves uh, originally came from the Saddle Dome. Uh, we were able to uh, purchase them from a grant, and uh, uh, we ran them uh, as a uh, setup um, in uh, our sc- uh, local s- uh, school um, land for a number of years. And uh, since then, we've uh, added uh, some concrete and um, put up the glass, and, and uh, it's a beautiful rink. Who goes about maintaining the ice? So there's a de- pretty dedicated group of, of local uh, farmers and area businessmen. We have uh, plumbers, uh, electricians uh, of, of the self. My, um, myself, I'm a beekeeper. Uh, I live fairly close to the rink, so uh, we have a little uh, uh, Zamboni that we use to maintain the rink. But uh, we also bring equipment down like uh, skid steers and whatever to uh, when there's uh, heavy snowfalls like we had the past week. So how often is the rink used? I know there was a special event that it's, it's going to be too cold for this, this weekend. Like, is this the town rink for minor hockey, men's league, and all that kind of stuff, or how often does it get used? Uh, the rink uh, it sees a, lo- a lot of use. Of course, it's a natural ice rink, so uh, we're very dependent on the weather. It, it takes us a few weeks to, uh, to get everything uh, set up uh, to start the season uh, and uh, but when, once it is going, then, of course, uh, it sees a lot of use from the community. Uh, sometimes the school uses it, and uh, we, in the past we've run uh, uh, pond hockey programs for uh, local youth, and uh, uh, most of the time it's, it's, uh, just, it's free for the community, of course, uh, but we do run other uh, events uh, as, uh, as they get booked. Okay. Now, tell me a little bit about the impact of this extreme cold, however. So there's a. We had planned to have a uh, a charity event there uh, that uh, a women's charity event uh, that was uh, to uh, raise funds for the Canadian Mental Health Association. And unfortunately, with the cold weather, uh, we've had to cancel it. Uh, generally, our policy is uh, when it's below about minus 15, we try to uh, close the rink just to to maintain the boards and the glass. It, it is an indoor uh, rink. Uh, that is being maintained outdoors, so it's not particularly suited for uh, extreme cold weather. Okay, but it, I mean, it's kind of become a famous little rink, though, isn't it? I mean, I, I mean, I grew up in a small town, so you know, there's hundreds of them in in Alberta. That's kind of fallen, I think. Anyway, it's kind of its claim to fame. Absolutely. Well, I mean, we're a small town. There's only uh, maybe a half a dozen houses, uh, and uh, but we've managed to. Uh, pull in uh, some fairly marquee events. A number of years ago, we had a Flames and Oilers alumni uh, game. Uh, Last year, we had a women's ACAC event. And this year, uh, we're having a men's ACAC event. The Augustana Vikings and State Trojans are playing a game on February 22nd. So we're fairly excited to have that. And, uh, you know, it turns into a community event. We have, uh, of course, the game and then uh, a gala uh, and, uh, you know, community supper and uh some of it it, uh is of course a a fundraising event for the facility itself okay well that's really cool thanks for telling the story of the uh, of the fallen outdoor rink uh it it is a great facility you got a great website i was looking at at all the pictures and it's it's really cool that all the games that have gone there because the rink is 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 such an awesome spot and I, i hope it warms up to the point where you can play games but doesn't get too warm so you can't play games. Does that make sense? Is that what you're hoping for? <laughs> well, absolutely. I mean, December was gorgeous pretty much the entire month. 
But uh, looking back uh, last February, I think we almost had to close the rink the entire uh, month. It was so so cold. So uh, hopefully uh, uh, we can uh, continue on the December trend and and uh, and play some hockey and do some skating out there. Ryan, thanks for checking in tonight. Have a great evening. And you too. Thanks. That is Ryan Oltoff on the line from the Pigeon Lake Athletic Cultural Education Society, filling you in on the uh, fallen outdoor rink. Actually, too cold to play on it this weekend, but they'll be back and going pretty soon. All right, updating the scoreboard before we say goodnight. Golden Knights lead the Senators 4-2 late in the third. After two, Ducks up 3-1 on the Predators and Wild up 3-1 on the Lightning. In the second period, 1-1 Sabres and Stars. After the first, Avalanche lead the Sharks 2-0. Coyotes and Canucks about to get underway. The Flames beat the Maple Leafs 2-1 in a shootout. Calgary, for now, tied for first in the Pacific with Arizona. Bruins knocked off the Penguins 4-1. Panthers beat the Kings 4-3. Rangers over the Islanders 3-2. Canadians get a win 4-1 against Philly. Capitals beat the Devils 5-2. Ovechkin hat trick, now 31 goals on the season. Blue Jackets edge the Hurricanes 3-2. Next action for the Oilers, of course, is Saturday. 11.30 face-off show game at 1 as they take on Arizona. Bob Stoffer as Oilers now, noon to 2 tomorrow. I'll have inside sports from 6 to 8. Thanks to our producer, Dave Campbell, studio producer, Kellen Kennedy. My name is Reed Wilkins. Adler is next. 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad.